So, what happened 160 years ago today? This has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but it's important. Anybody know? 160 years ago today. That's exactly right. Now you're getting warm. Yeah. Not the end. Right in the middle. You're getting close. <laughs> Lincoln said something. What do you say? Gettysburg Address. That's right. Remember that? Now listen. I just I want to read it again because it's it's very pertinent to why we're sitting where we are today. Okay, it's not going to take me long. Um, if you've never heard it, after I read it, I'd encourage you to go home and read it again. Okay. Four score and seven years ago, fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. <clears throat> now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this, but in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great work and task of remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of their devotion. That we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that the government of the people by the people for the people shall not perish from the earth. And I think I mentioned to you before that the very last minute he put in two words, under God, because it weighed on him heavily. Interesting, huh? Good stuff. So, I hope you're well. I'm going to speak very directly today and uh, give you some things to think about, okay? I need space. <laughs> We're going to put that up there until I need it. Okay, so some things that I've thought about and, uh, you know, <clears throat> and thinking about what I was going to talk about this morning, um, you know, the Lord really laid upon my heart about how much I slash we have been blessed, including this church, really. We've talked about that a lot in the last, you know, three weeks to a month. But I want to give you some things to think about. Uh, some questions that I've always asked myself in the past, and, and my wife as well, you know, how, how much, how much do you lean on money? Do you worry if you'll have enough day to day, month to month? Has it ever really completely solved your problems or issues? 
Have you ever coveted more money because somebody else has more than you do? Do you make God certain kinds of promises? If he would just give you enough to take care of this certain thing, hey, then it'll all be good and I'll start doing more. Uh, does it or do you feel money gives you a specific standing that helps you seem more important than we really ought to feel like we are? Have you ever let money become a God to you? I'll admit, in varying degrees, I've struggled with all of those from time to time, some of which I'm going to share with you today. So where does it all start? How are we supposed to know what to do with our money, our resources, uh, in, in terms of what is knowing, <clears throat> us knowing what is biblical? Well, stewardship really starts in the Old Testament. It really starts with creation. Psalm 24.1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God owns all because he made all. You either believe it or you don't. If you believe it, then it changes your perspective. All that we are and all that we have is on loan to us from the Creator for a time such as we are given by His grace and not our own. Do you know how much time you have? I don't. None of us do. And by his grace, he's given us much to use wisely. It is our responsibility to use it wisely. A couple weeks ago, our son got married. He was on loan to us. <laughs> he's not on loan anymore. <laughs> he went from loan to being on his own. And um, that's the perspective that we're have, we have to have. You can't take anything with you anyway, right? You can't take anything with you. Some people try. I remember years ago, I was actually at school when I saw this, and we used to get the newspaper at school. This was in Florida. Picked up the paper one day, and I'm looking at it, and I see this casket in the back of a Cadillac. Okay? Guess where the Cadillac was going? Right in the ground. <laughs> Huge hole dug. This gentleman thought that he could take his Cadillac with him, I guess. You can't do that. Well, you can. You can do it. He did it. But he's not doing anything with it. Okay? So whatever we're given, we're expected to manage the things that God's given us in such a manner that it glorifies him and not ourselves and certainly not our deeds. God created the garden for Adam and Eve to use the resources wisely to take care of his creation and manage it in a prudent, godly manner. And we know how that ended, right? We do. Think about this. Every time we spend a penny, every time we spend a dollar, anything, it's always based on a decision that was either impulsive which means we generally use more emotion than thought, or that it was a grounded decision, one in which we use more thought than emotion. And where our money goes, so goes our value or values. God's extremely interested in what we do with our gifts and resources, including our money. We place our money toward things that are important to us, right? We do. I like to play golf. I occasionally will buy something related to golf. Not all that often, but on occasion. Right there. Um, 
So we read Malachi 3, 8 through 12, and we're all very familiar with that. It's been read to us many times. I'm not going to read that to you again right now because I know you're familiar with it. But I want to say this, that the word and the term tithe means tenth. Okay? The principle is that people were to return to the storehouse one-tenth of their increase annually, once a year. It was generally a crop, a grain, and sometimes animals as well. The main portion was to take care of the Levites, who had no specific land to call their own on which to grow crops, raise animals, etc. Their, their responsibilities were more educational and spiritual. They took care of the tabernacle, moved it from camp to camp. So they didn't have any place to call home specifically in terms of being able to take care of themselves. So that tenth went to take care of them. And then the Levites would distribute based on need. Essentially, if this tithe doesn't happen for the Levites, then they don't receive the care that they need at that time because they're not directly living off the land. God does lay out this plan for tithing for who? You and me. He doesn't do it for him. He doesn't need it. <laughs> he doesn't need it, really. We need it. We need the discipline and the understanding. He's planned it for us in order that we may learn dependence upon him, for us to trust him, for us to glorify him, for us to worship him, for us to experience intimacy with him, for us to grow in him, and for us to be seen following him. And it really is a matter of the heart. That's where it all starts. The beauty of what God designed in terms of giving the tithe in the Old Testament, it's brilliantly simple. Everyone gives the same percentage, but not the same amount. The brilliance behind it is that proportionally all experience a level of sacrifice relative to what they possess. Sounds like it would solve any issues regarding tithing before they start, right? My family and I attended church when I was a child, um, and I know that my father tithed. I don't know what he tithed, and I didn't ever ask because you just didn't do that. So I got married, and I learned that I knew even less about tithing. I love you, dear. When we got married, and honestly, it was me more than her, without a doubt. But, you know, when you get married, you start talking about lots of things at a much deeper level than you did when you were dating, right? And so we, we talked about money quite a bit, and we had begun, well, we searched for a church down there, went to different ones, but then we kind of settled on a church, and, um, you know, we heard lots of... Uh, presentations, discussions, etc., about tithing. And, um, you know, it, I, I'll tell you, though, it took, we had a good year's worth of discussions before I, I reshaped my, my thinking. It was hard. It is hard. The discipline of it is hard because when you, when you sit there and you look at a tenth of what you have and you think, well, this is what else I could do with it. And it took a lot of discussion, a lot of prayer uh, to get through that. 
But I can tell you that we did, and I have never, I, I can stand in front of you and tell you this, I have never looked back. We have never looked back. I do have to tell you one funny story, though. Right after our daughter Jen was born, I mean, Judy had ledgers. You know what a ledger is? If you don't see me, I'll explain it to you. So, you know, a ledger has lots of columns and lots of rows. And Judy had everything that we did with our money and lots of columns and lots of rows. And uh, <laughs> I had a 1978 Pontiac Grand Le Mans. Green car, nice car. But it was 10 years old and it was continuing to age. So after I'd had it about, I don't know, probably three, four years, the vinyl roof was just gone. So I painted it. And uh, I had I'd already done it once, but I, I ran out of paint, and I, um, <laughs> I had to go back and get some more. So at that time, the fast dry single can of spray paint was 97 cents. Okay, but guess what? I thought I was getting away with something because I bought it and didn't tell her. And I thought, wow, I spent something she doesn't know about. Guess what? It was on the ledger for 97 cents. <laughs> I got away with nothing. And one night at dinner, this is true, whether it was by accident or not, one night at dinner, we are, <laughs> we're talking and, and something came up about money. And she says to me, you know, you, you should have a dollar in your wallet. You should have a dollar. So I went and got my wallet. Guess what was in my dollar? Guess what was in my wallet? I had a dollar. Now, whether that was by accident or reality, nonetheless, um, things were tight. We had a budget, prayed a lot, and we made it. Um, but it's still our responsibility to not withhold from the Lord. People still held out their tithe, as we read at the beginning of Malachi, right? And Malachi says, will you rob God? Well, somebody must have been robbing God. It's not going to be in there if it didn't happen. So given that God created this system, it's still in play today. Think about what we read. When we fail to tithe, as the Bible instructs, we're holding out. Conversely, on the opposite end of the spectrum, what does God say? Test me. Test me, he says. Watch what I'll do. God makes promises to deliver in ways that we can recognize. In Malachi, he promised to do what? He promised to protect the crops, which was something they could easily relate to because they were living off the land, and that was extremely important to them, right? So that would not have been hard to relate to at all. The New Testament, you know, is, is, is uh, different mediums of... Uh, exchange come about, you know, there's much more discussion about money. Jesus talks about money. He gives us lots of instruction about money. Matthew 6, 19 explicitly tells us where we are to store our treasures. We read that earlier. It is in heaven, not on this earth. Everything here is temporary. This points directly to the use of our resources in a godly manner. God states it's wiser than earthly investment because none of this stuff that's on this earth is going to last forever. Everything will decay at some point. We're to serve one master, the Lord our God. Anything else is divided allegiance. 
Verse 21 mentions, you know, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's your checkbook say? If you have a checkbook, I know that's a dying thing. You know, probably be more applicable for us to say, what does your debit card say? What does your credit card say? <clears throat> if you invest in the Lord through the local church, you cannot lose. You can't lose, especially if it's done with your heart in the right place. The blessings will come. You have to look for them. You need to be aware of them. Sometimes they're small, sometimes they're big. Recognize them by looking for them and being aware of them, and then give him thanks. The single most important investment we can make with our money and resources is in the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 6. If you have your Bible, turn there. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 6. There are some principles on giving. I'm going to read it for you. It says this, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. So what's uh, mentioned here about giving? Well, it is, it is a kind of grace. It can be done regardless of our circumstances, no matter how much you have. It doesn't matter. This matters in large degree. Our motivation, is it coming from our heart? It fosters fellowship among believers. It reshapes your thinking. I can stand here and guarantee you that. It happened to me. I've never looked at money, or anything else for that matter, in terms of a resource, the same way since 1985-86. Never. And I can cite plenty of examples for you, um, but we only have so much time. Another thing in reading this is it promotes one of the bigger things as well, which is taking care of others before yourself. Taking care of others before yourself, such as the Levites. <clears throat> um, I know when I first started thinking about this and putting it into practice, um, that you know it, it was difficult. It was very challenging. Um, but I eventually got to a point where, for the most part, not all the time, because I would never stand here and tell you right now, I or we have it all together, but, but much less the worry thing, the worry about money. Am I going to have enough? Week to week, month to month. It's, it's hard to fight that, but it's also necessary. When I get up every day, and I'm still that way now, 
and I don't know what your perspective is, but I've always looked at my work, that's my mission field, you know, what I've done in my lifetime, teaching, coaching, being a principal. I've always considered a privilege to be able to speak into the lives of kids, their families, um, because again, it's difficult. They're not gonna let you do that unless you earn the right to do so. And I've often gotten up in the morning and, you know, when I think about the day, you know, I would think about a certain child or a certain individual who might be struggling. And, um, you know, I would pray to be used uh, to try to make a difference for that, that person that day. And sometimes that worked out, sometimes it did, did not. Sometimes you worry about the money and sometimes you don't. But the focus has to be all the time, how can I be used by you, Lord, to make a difference for somebody else and not worry about how much money you have? Because the thing is, when your heart's in the right place and when you're motivated by the right things each and every day, he'll, he'll take care of you. You won't have to worry. I would never stand here and say, well, you're going to be rich. I'm rich every day. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> my wife's going to tell me, you think you're funny. Um, but I can tell you this. I can tell you that he will take care of your needs, whatever they are. Because in our culture, we, we, have, we have needs and wants. That, that's a whole other sermon. I'll do that one. Next time. We have needs and wants all askew. We think that we need this. I got news for you. Don't get me started. I had a big debate at work about that the other day. I don't, I don't need that. I don't have to have it. You know, we can talk to each other. It works. It's that simple. <laughs> Um, now, flip over to 2 Corinthians 9. It says this in verse 6 in relation to giving. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, <clears throat> for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you, what? All that you need, not want what you need, you will abound in every good work. You're not going to have to worry about your needs. He'll take care of them. <clears throat> so sow generously and reap generously. Um, I just want to reiterate this one more time. What I can say without a doubt in my mind is that since we have tithed, I and we have never been without opportunity to use my skill set to provide for our family. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, when, when Jen was born, a lot of you know Jen, she's our oldest daughter. She's our only daughter, too. Um, 
she's our oldest child. And Judy and I sat down, and she wasn't going to work by, by our choice. And, and I'm looking at what we have coming in on my salary. I'm sorry for laughing, but it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, okay, Lord, you, you, I kid you not, you've reshaped my thinking. This, <laughs> this is going to test it. This will test it. And I can tell you, we never went without at all. Not even the cat. Even the cat got fed. Um, and like anybody else, we had seasons that were better than others um, for reasons that we didn't always immediately understand, uh, but we were taken care of. When you give, and, and, and we're talking about the Thanksgiving being above and beyond our tithe next week, when you give, you will not always see where your dollar goes to make a difference. But let me tell you something real quickly, and then I'm going to finish up. Our son-in-law started uh, an online church. What's it been, dear? Three years? About three years ago. Really stepped out in a, in a huge test of faith, and it's been amazing what has occurred. But one of the things that he has been able to do, he's been to Africa twice, He's getting ready to go again soon. Um, the first time he went, did he go on his own the first time? That's right, he went, with the, he went with the church. This past time he went with his brother and two other folks from, from his church for them. And uh, so one, a lot of things happened there. There is a Christian school in a place called Maisha, and um, the kids there, are, are getting educated, but it is in a very um, not crude in, uh, environment, but it's not, it's not up to the same types of standards that we have here in the States. But I can tell you this, you can see the love that exists. And one of the things that occurred was, you know, my, my son-in-law and his team learned of a, a child that was in a really bad situation which was actually an abusive situation. And because they were there, because they were there, they were able to get that child removed from that situation and placed in a much safer place. Because somebody spent a dollar, invested a dollar in their lives, meaning the lives of my son-in-law, his brother, and the two other people that got to go. In many ways, they were the ones that were used to make a difference in that moment. That's why I'm telling you, when you're at work, whether you're at, at, at the mall, you're interacting with your family, Thanksgiving's coming up. Always think about your interactions, always. Be grateful for the resources that you have been provided, that you have to use each and every day. Never take them for granted. It's all temporary. I don't know where your heart is in relation to giving. It, it doesn't matter. 
I'm just rich, physically rich, not financially. God knows each and every one of our hearts, does he not? He knows them. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he does influence each one of us. And how does that happen? It's called the Holy Spirit. And that's what matters. And our motives for giving must be driven by what is placed upon our heart. And you cannot ever go wrong with investing in the kingdom of God when it's driven by the Spirit of God. Amen?